You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. I am Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can send us a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And uh, pretty excited about the show today. We got our good friend Jacob from Packernet Podcast on here with us, and we've kind of got a lot of information to go through, Jacob. Um, how you doing here on this Sunday morning? Man, I'm feeling great. It's uh... – it's just good to be back in the season, you know, and we had the family night. That's basically the start of what's about to happen, which is the Packers season. And I'm just pumped. Dude, it, it's so cool that when you get the Hall of Fame game week, right, everything just ramps up. It seems like every night there was a football game, then there was family night, then there was the Hall of Fame. Next week we've got preseason games. Dude, I'm, I'm jacked. I'm right there with you. But I do want to say that today's show is brought to you by – um, pristineauction.com, and uh, it's a sports memorabilia site, the most trusted, really. Guys, I'm really impressed with it. Um, this may be the worst thing that ever happened to me was Ryan bringing on pristineauctions.com because I've already spent a ton of money. <laughs> and uh, basically, they're, they're rated A-plus by the Better, Better Business Bureau. Uh, they got auctions on uh, on the website that, that start at literally a dollar. I was watching a bunch of flash auctions or 10-minute auctions, they call them yesterday, Jacob. Yep. And, dude, it is it's phenomenal. Every day there's over a thousand autographed items available. You win authentic signatures at affordable prices. I was on the site, like I was saying the other day, I told you guys in the chat, there was a Robert Tunyon uh, autographed jersey that went for $30. And I was like, is this legit? So, you know, I got I got signed in with our promo code Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S. That's available to everybody. I saved $10 on my first purchase. Dude, yesterday I landed a Paul Horning autographed jersey and a Dave <laughs> Robinson autographed jersey, each of That's them for awesome. less than $100. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's legit. And like I said, it comes with the certificate of authenticity um, from the most reputable authenticators in the industry. Um, they're actually, guys, they're giving away a signed Quay Walker jersey to one of our listeners. OK, all you've got to do. And I want to I want to be real clear about this because it's gotten a little bit confusing. I mentioned this the other day on uh, uh, on the pod yesterday. As a matter of fact, all you've got to do, go to the website, click in the upper right register as a as a member of pristine auctions doesn't cost a dime and it'll have a box there for the promotion code you don't even have to make a purchase just type in rogers r-o-d-g-e-r-s and that's going to enter you into the contest to win that quay walker jersey and guys there you've got a really really good shot at winning that jersey there's uh you know it's it's one of those things that's low entry because it's our first you know kind of run through as them with them as a sponsor really really 
good chance of winning that. Like I said, it's free to register and it'll also save you $10 on your first purchase. Uh, like I said, which I did there with the Paul Horning Jersey, but are you familiar with pristine auctions? So yeah, I was going to say, um, if you guys have been <clears throat> listeners for a while, I have been dealing with the pristine auction myself for about two or three years. I actually, when I first started doing Instagram for Pack Addy, I started trying to think of ways we could get listener engagement. I reached out to Christine myself and asked if they would do um, any kind of giveaways. And they were super cool about it. They actually did. I, I even went as far as to myself, like you said, Clayton, I got in trouble. I bought like 10, 12 pieces of memorabilia. <laughs> um, just because, you know, why not? <laughs> why not? Exactly. I, I, I auctioned off, or not auctioned off. I actually donated some of that stuff just for certain uh, giveaways, contests. We've given away at least i believe 10 different pieces of memorabilia if you look at the instagram you can look back over the last couple of years i know a guy named kona who's a longtime listener got the uh roy butler signed uh lombardi trophy it's not obviously a real lombardi Ooh. trophy but we had to send that all the way out to hawaii we had a guy in brazil that won a jersey and it took i'm not kidding like six weeks to get there we thought it was lost gone forever and he finally sent us a message showing that it actually did arrive so it's real deal guys um like he said they're all authenticated i've been happy i have a, a full-size authentic robert tonyan signed packers helmet that's my probably my favorite thing i own right now definitely wearing that like uh packer bobby every time that the pregame starts <laughs> I'm telling you guys, just in like, like Clay said, get in on this contest. There's a very small number. You don't have to pay. It's 100% free. I don't understand why more people aren't getting on this. Absolutely, dude. And you, you great segue, man. You're a pro at this podcasting thing. You mentioned Leroy Butler with the autograph there, uh, autograph in the Lombardi. Our very own Leroy Butler got inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And, uh, man, it was awesome. We got a little snippet of his, uh, his acceptance speech. So I'm going to play that right now, and we're going to talk a little bit about Leroy Butler before we get into the rest of the show. When you play for the Green Bay Packers, a lot of doors open up. When you win a Super Bowl, all doors open up. But when you make the Hall of Fame, football heaven opens up. Man, I love that, Jacob. That 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 line there, one of my favorite lines in the uh, in the history of the Hall of Fame, you know, speeches. And it is, it's like a football heaven. I think I think I heard Leroy say there was 362 players that are in the Hall of Fame, and got a ton of Packers in there. But it's kind of like what John Madden talked about when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know, he said that um, when he <laughs> When he he believes that when the when the lights go out and the doors are closed at the end of the night that the bus talk to each other right and and what are those conversations that they're having you know Vince Lombardi talking with now John Madden now that he's passed away and and you know uh, you know whoever name name a player right Franco Harris having a conversation with you know Ken Stabler about their rivalry there in the seventies with the Steelers and the Raiders and just I love everything the Hall of Fame represents the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's so awesome to see Leroy Butler going. You're not going to find a classier guy. But do you have any memories of, of watching Leroy Butler? I know there's a little bit of an age difference between us. I know for me, um, you always seen number 36 around the ball there in the 90s when the Packers were on TV. He was the guy that really flashed on defense outside of Reggie White. And uh, obviously he joins Reggie in the hall. But what's your memories of, of Leroy Butler? Yeah, man. So when they won the bowl in 96, I was nine. And I was – already well into my Packer fandom. Like my, I think I'm a fourth generation Packer fan. So 
my dad, my grandfather, my brother, all that, we were diehard by the time. I mean, I can remember it for, but I remember that specifically the first time that I ever remember Leroy Butler was, I don't remember exactly how the place started, but somehow it ended up with Reggie White having picked up a fumble, I believe. And he was basically getting like manhandled out of bounds, but he's Reggie White. So he couldn't quite, the guy couldn't get him out of bounds. And then he lateraled it to Leroy as he's running along the sideline. I believe that was the first Lambo leap, if I'm not mistaken. It was, um, yeah. That was and I remember, yeah, I remember specifically my dad and my grandpa and my uncle sitting there talking as they're watching the replay and they're saying, no, he stepped out and it's not a lateral. Uh, it's, you know, it was a forward lateral, blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, they ended up letting it stand, which I think now technically if you were to review it, I don't think it probably would stand, but it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, and then he, obviously he went on to to jump into the stands and and then he went, <laughs> which prompted. If you guys don't know about Robert Brooks, oh, it's so got, cringy! Don't you do it, <laughs> dude? I almost wish that we would have thought about that and you had that mic'd up. We could, I think it's called like Jump in the Stands. Robert yeah, Brooks yeah. released an official EP or whatever it was. <laughs> it's not good. Um, yeah. I think me and Clayton could release a better rap album if that helps you understand <laughs> how bad it is. So. Immediately, everybody went to nappy roots with my accent. They're like, oh, God. Yeah. It's going to be a combination of nappy roots and cowboy Troy over here on the mic. That'd be horrible. Yeah, cowboy Troy. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. Hey, did you? So you didn't. Um, I was randomly listening to Leroy at the at the Hall of Fame game or whatever the Canton game, um, and he did a little short interview, and I just happened to randomly catch it while I was at work, and he was talking about how the 49ers – tried to draft him and they actually even called Leroy and his whole family's down in the house. You know, they're doing their thing. Well, his sister is upstairs on the phone. They had a rotary phone, only one line. Right. So yeah, the 49ers called him, I guess, repeatedly over and over. And all they got was that caller is busy, whatever the heck. And obviously that catapulted him into the, the green Bay Packers. But if you just, I love little things like that, you know, like little, the tiniest of tiny deviance of any direction you know what i mean and we don't get Leroy butler who knows if we got the super bowl who knows if we get rogers who know, like it's the, the butterfly effect you know what i mean and it's just cool yeah. to think uh i know Leroy is a very god fearing man and it's like i wonder you know divine intervention if you want to go that route you know if that's your deal i i personally think it was a blessing and it was awesome yeah, and it, it the thin threads that you're talking about, man. I mean, think about if Leroy Butler does get drafted by the 49ers, right? And think about if Ron Wolf doesn't trade for Brett Favre. What what is the or I mean, white. The 80s, gets Reggie. Yeah, exactly. The 80s are extended right into the 90s as far as you know the the Packers struggling. I mean, that's Absolutely. Uh, wow. That is terrifying. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. But we will talk about this. There's a current player on the roster that I think is getting a lot of buzz as far as when or when he will or, or will not be back. Uh, you know, from from the injury, the ACL, and that's that's Big Bob Tunyon, Robert Tunyon, right? And um, you know, it's 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 a really interesting camp because when you look at all the players that are on pup right now, I mean, you got Colin Hill, you've got uh, obviously Christian Watson, um, you've got. Uh, Robert Tunyon, David Bakhtiari, uh, Elton Jenkins, right? All the way across the board. And, and as I'm looking at it now, really, it's it's offense, right? Majority mm -hmm. of them are on offense. Yeah. And 
everybody's injury is, is so much different than the others. You know I mean? Like Elton Jenkins, you see him out there running around and he looks good. He looks healthy. Um, yeah. Bob Tunyon, the same way. He looks great. Obviously, uh, David Bakhtiari, it's now been confirmed that it was more than just an ACL. There was a lot of uh, collateral damage that was done um, when he messed his knee up. But um, all these guys, everybody's body reacts different. When you talk about putting foreign instruments into the body, uh, the body's going to react in a way where it's like, okay, that's not supposed to be here. We need to protect ourselves. That's kind of what happened with Bach and the, and the fluid on the knee and all that. But Bob Tunyon did a uh, interview with Bussin with the boys. And I'm going to play a little clip here where he kind of talks about it. And I think uh, it, you guys will probably come away the same way I did um, in a sense of it, it. I don't know. It put me at ease a little bit, Jacob. But here, I'm going to play this clip real quick. Like, it's just not my time yet. You know, if I keep, you know, worrying about me, bettering myself on the field, off the field, that stuff's going to come. And I just didn't, I was getting ahead of myself a little bit. And I did such a good job in 2020 with living in the present. I had a great season, whatever. And then you get into 2021 and, you know, maybe I was a little ahead of myself uh, now that I look back on it. But I really believe that everything truly happens for a reason. And Something so simple for me, like it wasn't like a gruesome, like, you know, it was just a plain ACL. And I just got to really just, you know, it is like a, you know, a season ending, but, you know, you come back stronger from it, like across the board, like I said, mentally, physically, spiritually. Well, the rest of your body is getting healed up too. Right. And I, like I said, I got to really just take football out of the equation and just start from like ground zero. So, correct me if I'm Love it. Love it. Now, one, one of the things that he said there, Jacob, that really caught my attention um, sorry if there was an echo there, guys, but one of the things that, that caught my attention was what I believe it was Will Compton. I, I don't know a whole lot about busting with the boys, but whoever was interviewing him, I think it might be Will Compton. Um, he said not only that, you know, that that you, you you're going to come back stronger with the complete reconstruction of the ACL, but also your body got to heal and rest. And that's something I never really thought about. When you talk about a player sitting out, it's always the media always comes with a negative spin of it's been so long since they played football. You hear it over and over and over, right? But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, at the same time, their body didn't take a beating. They're as rested up as as long as they have continued to work out and stay in quote unquote football shape, then they're gonna come back stronger than ever, especially someone who's in their prime like Bob Tunyon. Am am I wrong? Am I being too positive here, Jacob? Or are you coming away the same way I am going, man? That's very encouraging that he's completely expecting to come back stronger than he was going in because he got a chance to kind of reflect on everything and see where the team's at. As he sat back, got healthy, he looks like he's in great shape. And now he's saying that ACL that who knows, it, it, there may have already been something pre-existing that made it pop. Now it's as strong as ever. But how do you feel about Bob Tunyon? Do you think uh, you think he's going to come back stronger than ever? Or is that just him speaking what he wants and, and maybe being a little bit overly too positive? Right. Well, I think you got to look at it in a number of ways. Well, let's think about what he was, like you said, in his prime right before that happened. He was on the ascending rise, right? And he looked very good. We forget that he was training with guys like Kittle in the offseason. Remember that? And he was putting on tight end clinics and he was looking very, very well. We're forgetting that the guy basically does not drop balls. If they're within his range, he does not drop them. We're forgetting the guy runs quite fast for I you know I don't remember his measurables but I'm pretty sure that on field he looks a lot faster kind of like how Dobbs did the other day when he outruns uh Stokes right and you think about like you said the the stress that's been taken off his body even though that one part of his body has obviously been worked very very hard the ACL or whatever it is and 
I think it's more of a mentality thing. If you watch more of that interview, he goes on to say something along the lines of, you know, I'm just ready to get back because they forgot, right? And like the chill kind of hits you at that moment. They all kind of like, oh, you know, basically yeah. he's saying like, don't sleep on me. Like people have forgotten how good I was going to be and could be. And he's just hungry, I think. And he's ready to get back and show that he is still on the rise. He's not, you know, like you said, it's a clean, clean tear, whatever it is. And there could be way worse injuries to come back from. And then if you look at him just <clears throat> on the field right now, when I saw him doing some of his drills, I'm like, I'll throw the pads on him. He's good. Let's go. Like, so I, I'm not worried. I'm a lot more worried about other positions and other players than I am with Bob Tanya. That's for sure. Absolutely. So here's what we're going to do. This is a great opportunity for us to talk about what the pup list is. And, and I want to credit Jacob for this because he brought it up yesterday. Like, hey, man, I know there's a lot of ins and outs and things that changed about the pup list rules. And even the hour rules, from what I understand, have changed a little bit this year. And, you know, we don't really completely understand how it works. Why don't we dive into it a little bit for our listeners? So we're going to kind of give you guys uh, and we're going to be as quick as possible, just a breakdown of how the pup works. Because, again, if we only had one or two players on the pup, we probably wouldn't even be talking about it. But why not take this time to understand? That's what this podcast is for. We want to educate the listeners on things that otherwise they may not know about. Right. And, and it also gives us an opportunity to learn something, too. So don't think that we're the gurus here explaining to all of you people who don't understand how something works. It's an opportunity for all of us to learn together and make us better football fans as we kind of come up in this thing together. So, you know, when you comes to the pup, like we said, there's so many people across the, the offensive side of the ball. It's worth mentioning. So. I've got an article pulled up, and I don't want to read the article verbatim. I don't want to bore you with all that. You guys know I read on about a third grade level anyway. But what I'm going to do is just kind of give you some bullet points. And, Jacob, you interject at any point if there's something I'm missing or maybe a question you got that we can jot down and get an answer for later. But essentially you've got a pre-camp pup, okay? So pre-camp you can put players on the pup, and that really applies to a lot of the players that are on this pup list. You guys know they were put on it, you know, before camp. And they count against the 90-man roster right now, okay? And they can be activated at any time. But if a setback, if you have a setback, they cannot return to the pup and go – at that point they go on IR. So basically if someone comes off the pup, okay, and then, okay, bam, they blow their knee completely out. They can't, they can't go back to the pup and then come back off of it, okay, with this pre-camp list to the best of my knowledge. Then next you've got the reserve pup, and this kind of takes effect – uh, on August 23rd. Okay, so at August 23rd, that's the day that, that that all teams have to be cut down to an 80-man roster, okay? And you designate players at that point to the reserve pup list, and they do not count against that 80-man roster, which is a, a big perk there, right? Nothing really changes in that regard when it comes to the reserve pup. It's just a part of the 80-man 80 80 man cut down. Is it 80-man or 90-man? Well, you've got the 90-man going into pre-camp. and so it's I, 80 according yeah, according to the athletic on August 23rd, there's an 80 man cut down. I'm assuming that the athletic knows what they're talking about here. So on August 23rd, you got an 80 man cut down. And if someone's on the res you you then put players on the reserve pup list, reserve they do list. not count against that 80, if I'm understanding correctly. Do you see something different there, Jay? Or uh I mean, no, I'm just reading some of says players that are done the pup list do not count against the 53 man roster but it does indeed take away from the 90 man right dude i'm literally reading like eight different articles and they all say <laughs> different things i'm not even kidding like some of them are from ian rapaport some are from espn some are from me shot. <laughs> literally like i'm 
that's why I messaged you last night because I was trying to get into it. And I'm like, I can't figure out what's going on. Like, and they did change yeah. some, some rules from last year. I know that for sure. Um, right. I'm going to read this it, from The Athletic. This is what it says. What are the reserve pup list rules? Because we're, we're kind of at that reserve stage now. Let's, let's pretend yeah. it's August 23rd. A player can receive this designation if he's still on the active pup list by the time teams cut training camp rosters down to 80 players, which will be August 23rd this year. A player doesn't count toward the roster limit once shifted to the reserve pup. Teams have until rosters are cut down to 53 players, which is on August 30th, to move a player to the reserve pup list. Okay, so once you get to August 30th, that's the 53-man cut down. And reserve pup guys at that point are forced to miss for the first four weeks of the four season. Okay? Okay. And now once they're activated – they have to play in a game within 21 days. If they don't, then they're automatically defaulted to the pup for the entire season, gotcha. if I understand correctly. And I believe okay. last year it was three games, so now they put it to four games. This year I think that was one of the changes they did. Yeah, I think so. Right. So now what's new with the injured reserve? With the with the hour, the new rule is our players can return after four games and players have a two-return limit. So basically, let's say um, you get down to the 53-man cut, and let's say Kylan Hill isn't healthy. Well, they want to protect him, obviously. They don't want to just cut him and, and you know lose out on that, that player. What they're going to do is put him on IR. Now he has the opportunity to come off the IR after week four. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, but wasn't it um, week six last year? Am I thinking right? I think they might have bumped that At up to week six. So, it might have been pre-COVID too. Regardless, it's it's week four now. Oh, it says the previous rule allowed them to exit the list after only three missed games. Another guideline change involving IR, IR protocols allowing the team to have up to eight players return to play from injured reserve and or the non-football uh, injury list. And then it says a player can be cleared to leave the IR list up to two times per season with each incident counting towards the team's total of eight. And I believe there's only eight times you can do that. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay, so and then the R the the injured reserve in regards to later on in the season, it says August thirty first. You've got to designate players to return later. Okay, and mm-hmm. the way that works is you can you can activate them at any point, but you can't do it after week fourteen. They said it's got to be before the last five weeks of the season, which was a real strange way of wording it. I, if my what calculations is- are correct, <laughs> it should be week fourteen. So that what that does is prevents teams from stashing players on the IR until they get to the playoffs or whatever. You know, they've got to be I like that, that they've got to be activated before week fourteen. You got to kind of make that decision. I'm I'm weird, Jacob. I'm that guy that when when players get injured, I don't want to see anybody injured. But when a team faces adversity, I love the aspect of digging deeper into the roster. Okay, how can we make this work? This is adversity. How are we going to respond to it? How can we come come away with it as good as possible rather than, well, this sucks. We lost our player. You know, I, I just yeah. love looking at it from that perspective. So, awesome. Is there anything else there that I missed that you thought, man, that's a really, really good point when it comes to the, uh, the pup list? Or- well, I was just going to kind of dive into like the squad. I'm just reading a little bit right here, and it says the NFL announced several changes to its practice 
the squad rules on Wednesday. According to the league reporter Ian Rappaport, firstly, the number of players a team can designate to its practice squad will remain at 16 after it was increased from 12 this past season. The major change to the rule comes in the form of which players are allowed to be added to the practice squad. Of the 16 players, at least six have to be rookies with no NFL experience. After that, teams will be allowed to add up to six more players. I feel like that there's four or five guys in the NFL that are just randomly releasing what their NFL practice squad slash pup list rules are because none of it really makes sense. <laughs> like it's just a bunch. I think they're just, they're just messing with us. Yeah. It, it, honestly, as you're reading that, I'm, I feel like I'm doing my taxes right now. This sucks. Like, I'm like, <laughs> how does anybody keep up with this? Sure. <laughs> real, real quick. One thing that I thought was interesting, um, according to a 2015 study, study by the National Bureau, Bureau of Economic Research, it's roughly 16% of retired football players end up bankrupt within the first 12 years of stepping off the field for the last time. So that then made me think like, well, so what do practice squad game guys make? It's hard to pin down an actual number, but roughly it looks like $11,000 per week that you're on the practice squad, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're there for 16 weeks or whatever it is, you know, that money adds up. So anyways, it just, I never looked at that aspect of the game and it is very complicated. So that's why I try to pick your brain on it. It's funny how we say that too. It doesn't sound like much, but the guy who's working yeah. out at the quick trip is going, my God, I'll take that. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> right. But again, you know, those players and the, the union, I don't want to say being greedy, but trying to get every dollar they can. I mean, obviously, it's it, it's it's something that the elite players are going to make a ton of money. The average NFL player makes you know just okay money, and those mm -hmm. guys at the bottom, man, they're they're really. I mean, when you talk about expenses and having to move to that town, and you got to have a house, you got to have all oh, these yeah. things. Otherwise, you wouldn't you know wouldn't be spending, or or maybe on a much less budget somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of things that come into factor, but just I love looking at. Just amount of food and workout and supplement, you know, obviously not yeah, and supplements, yeah. but like you just that stuff alone. You might have like a, yeah, you might like have a chef that you've hired to, yeah. to make sure you stay in tip top. Like there's a ton of things, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I just love the uh I love the numbers side of the game and little little things like that. I think it's great. So to sum that up before we take a break here and get to our 53 man uh, roster projection. I, how does that apply to us? The next date you need to look for is going to be August 23rd, uh, which is uh, we've got a, several weeks. You know, obviously that's going to come. Let's see here. I'm trying to trying to see when the last Packers preseason game is. That's on the 25th. So that cut down to 80 happens two days before our final preseason game. And at that point, you're going to kind of see, OK, who's going on the reserve pup list. Right. So that's an important date to circle there on August 23rd. I'm glad we chatted about that, man. I, I learned a little bit there and, and get a little bit better understanding of the pup. And again, this is the first year I've ever done a podcast, so I've never dove this deep into certain topics that we cover. And uh, I'm coming away a lot more educated in that regard. So um, let's do this, guys. We're going to get into the 53-man roster projection before preseason week one. And I think it's a great time to do it kind of get out ahead of it, look at the players that are on the pup, look at all the things, take everything into consideration and see what would our 53-man roster look like today if we had to cut it down, right? And before we do that, though, let's take us a, a quick commercial break, pay some bills. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built 
for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so let's do this, Jacob. Um, 53-man roster. Let's just start right here on offense. I've got my board set up, and just to kind of paint a uh, – sorry for the microphone moving around. I'm going to get turned around here in my seat. Papaw Bailey's got a bad back, and I can't look over my shoulder that long. Um, so when when you look at it on my board, I want to give you kind of a visualization, okay? It's my draft board that I set up in season. I've got all the positions listed hor- horizontally, quarterback, halfback, wide receiver, tied in, offensive line, across the board, right? What I've done is I've set the number that the Packers um, – that they carried at each position on average last year. For instance, quarterbacks, on average, they carried two quarterbacks all year long on their active roster. Halfbacks, they carried three. So I've got a red line drawn on my board underneath the the player that makes that final cut, okay? So imagine the two quarterbacks, Rodgers and Love, then there's a red line, then there's Etling below it. That's kind of visually how I've got it set up, Jacob. I know you've got your own system, I'm sure, but let's go through this. Quarterback. Um, they carried two last year. Obviously, it's going to be Rodgers and Love, right? Is there any reason to mention that? First of all, what honestly, do you think of Love? So sure, I haven't got your take on this, man. Honestly, I I think he's been looking a lot better. I have been a very harsh critic of Love, and not necessarily that I don't like him or anything like that. I just think, kind of like Ryan says, whatever your opinion is, it's unproven. You know what I mean? You can say he's great. Right. You can't say that. You can say he's bad. You can't say that. And it's encouraging that I've seen one thing that I really, really like is, and I don't know if this has to do with, was it Tom Clement or Tom, was that the new, uh, or I shouldn't say new, but the old quarterbacks coach that Rogers loves so much. And he credits yes. him to teaching him all the fundamentals, all the footwork. When you watch uh, loves footwork, this last, you know, any, any time, <laughs> anything, I mean, he looks, the throwing motion looks just like Rogers, even from like when he does that little kind of fall away dart throw, you know, where yep. it looks so effortless, where he kind of just flicks the wrist, where he does the 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 step back and then the the, the quick stance change. It's and like a just jump that, throw too. The jump yeah. throw. That's basically what I was trying to say, where he just shifts gears real quick and it's just snap. You know what I mean? Yep. So quick. And then does kind of that fall away motion to like get away from all the garbage coming at your knees. And it, it 
to me, it looks like that, that, that Tom has really instilled a lot of those fundamentals and it's fun to see that because like Rogers talked about in that interview where he's, you know, going way deep into all that stuff. He talked about how, like, if your the, the, the throw starts at the feet and if your feet are planted, right, your whole body will then just throw the way that it's supposed to basically. And I've kind of yeah. seen that from love. I've seen that. And, and he's hitting those, you know, the small passes, the short passes, but then he's also hitting those deep ones. And like that, that, uh, family night throw where, you know, if it's real live action, probably Devonte Wyatt smokes in the face, but the fact that he <laughs> stood in there anyways and threw a, a good ball, I mean, it, it probably could have been a little bit harder on it, but he can make every throw on the field. I'm not worried about that. I'm thinking I'm worried about more of the mentals, you know, that's going on to quote, uh, what's the guy's name? Marshawn Lynch. I'm worried about his mentals. He's got to get his mentals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to get your chickens straight. Ain't it? What get do you think? Chickens. Straight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's funny uh, is he said that 90% of the country is like, what? And I'm, I'm country. I'm like, oh, I got it, bro. I know exactly oh, what you're talking about. I understand exactly. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm pleasantly surprised at Love's progression. And I think that if this is Rogers last year, I don't have as much worry having Love take over as I would have in previous years. Gotcha. And I, that was a little bit long-winded there that I sprung yeah, that on you. Yeah, I apologize. But I just wanted to get your take because it seems like he's having a good camp. And and I'm every day I'm going, am I buying into this hop, you know, incorrectly? Is, am I am I putting too much stock into it? But I've seen the same thing. When I watch Love throw this year, there's a lot more torque in his mm-hmm. body when he releases the ball. And it, it does. It looks a lot like Aaron and how Aaron throws the ball. I'm telling you, Tom Clements is going to be freaking huge. For Jordan Love's development. He is the guy, he and Mike McCarthy were the ones responsible for molding Aaron Rodgers into the player he is. He had the intellect. He had the arm talent all along. He was born with it. But those two guys right there, and Tom Clements probably a little bit more than McCarthy because McCarthy was overlooking the whole team, you know. Um, it's going to help Jordan Love a lot. So whether it's increasing his dra- increasing his trade value for them to dump him later, or Rodgers hangs it up after this year or next year, and Love is the next quarterback, I'm I'm hoping for the latter. I would love to see Rodgers just ride off on a positive note. Hopefully, a Super Bowl, you know, another Super Bowl ring would be perfect, and step right into the Jordan Love era. If indeed the coaching staff think Jordan Love is that guy, so let's move on to halfback, and we'll go kind of quick here. We're we're doing pretty good. We're at the 31 minute mark, so we've got plenty of time here, Jacob. We got about 20 25 minutes to talk. So um, halfback, the Packers carried three last year. We've got Jones, Dylan, and Hill, but of course Hill's on the pup. So the way I'm going to do my 53-man roster, guys, is anybody who's on the pup, I don't care how healthy they appear to be, if they're on the pup right now, I'm not going to include them on my 53, okay? So um, Jones, Dylan, and Hill, but Hill's on the pup. So my third, it's funny, I had Goodson as my third. But after Ryan and I did the live stream the other night and then we had our podcast um, and I was looking over his camp notes and all that stuff, he sold me on Baylor. So my my back would be Baylor. I feel like he's a more well-rounded back. I love Taylor. I think Taylor is very productive. I think Taylor is a bruiser of a back. He's my style of running back. But when you talk about you know, me and Ryan talked about this, Jacob. Taylor can't do everything uh, across the board as far as the passing game and stuff, yeah. right? And Baylor's been better at blocking. He's been, you know, a little bit, you know, I think he read one or two camp notes where he was catching the ball of the backfield successfully. That What you're looking for more, or less, more than just this is the best player, it's okay. We don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we have to limit the playbook if we have an injury like we did there in the playoffs. And a lot of people don't talk about the fact that A.J. Dillon going out of that playoff game against the 49ers 
probably upset the flow of that okay. game plan quite a bit. But what what do you see at the running back position there? Yep. So if healthy, I got Jones, Dylan Hill. I just think they like Hill too much. He's too familiar with the system. He's too shifty. He's got special teams, you know, presence there. That being said, like you said, I'm going to do my um, 53 man roster with guys. If they're on the pup, I'm going to keep them on the pup as far as for the 53. So I'm going to go Jones, Dylan, and I am going Goodson. I think that he Goodson, has nice. been, I think he's been, in my opinion, more well-rounded back. I think he runs hard. I think he's shown some very promising stuff, even in pass protection. I think he can catch the ball decent enough. He's an Iowa guy, I believe. So I just, I got a lot of confidence in a guy like that. And um, again, if I had my preference, I still would go with Hill. And looking at Hill, same as Tanyan, he's running around. He looks like he could throw pads on now. So I don't know where he's at in his recovery. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. if he's ready for week one, then let's throw him in. And if not, then I'm I'm going good soon. I'm with you there. And like I said, Goodson, this, you know, if you talked to me three days ago, I would have said Goodson as well, but Baylor kind of shifts up for me. So you're going Goodson. I'm going Baylor, assuming that Hill is on the puck. Good stuff, man. Uh, Let's move on to wide receiver. Last year, the Packers carried 6.2 wide receivers all year long. So let's set the number at six here. We've got Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, um, Amari Rogers. And I've got, uh, first of all, that would be your six, but with Christian Watson being on the pup, I'm going to exclude him. So keep in mind, those are my top six. Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Watson, Dobbs, and Amari Rogers. But with Christian Watson being on the pup, I'm throwing in for my six receiver, Samori Torre. The guy at Family Night really flashed. And coming into the draft, I don't remember anybody saying Romeo Dobbs is going to be great, but I do remember a lot of people saying this seventh-round pick in Samori Torre is really impressive what he did at the at the, the smaller college, and then he transferred to – I can't remember what the bigger school was. Nebraska. But, yeah, Nebraska. It, it's like everywhere he went, he had success. And that's what you want to see. You know, the big knock a bit against the small schools, you know, we've heard it with Christian Watson. And his mom, Krista, talked about it on the on the podcast the other day. Um, <clears throat> it's it's kind of a big knock that, oh, well, he played at a small school. Well, you can't say that about Samuel Torre because, what you know, he went to Nebraska. Granted, it's not like playing in the SEC or anything, but at the same time, the guy flashed at every level. I'm going Samori Torre as my sixth, assuming Christian Watson's on the pup. And I know Jacob's about to roast me because Winfrey didn't make this roster. So let's hear it, Jacob. Talk to him. All right. So I've got him keeping seven this year. Ooh, I, I like And dangle a little bit of stuff. I just think that the occasion is right for it. Now, so if they do keep seven, this is so hard, man. It's, so I got Lazard, <laughs> Watkins. I have Watson on pup. So I'm just basically thinking Watson is not in this group right now. So I'm going Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Dubs, Rogers, Winfrey. Now, if Winfrey, or I'm sorry, if Watson is off, then I'm and I'm keeping seven, then I'm definitely keeping Torrey. And this is the hardest. I literally thought about this as I went to bed last night. And I'm I'm not even joking. I'm sitting there going <laughs> under my head. If if I can only keep seven and Watson's healthy, Torrey or Winfrey, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I, I I can't live with myself if I don't pick Winfrey because I've sat in here yeah. banging the drum for the last <laughs> you know five weeks. But after watching that family night, dude, like Torrey, he's is, impressive, right? He's the real deal. I really do believe that. And if you go back and again, you watch his Nebraska tape. He was smoking guys. I mean, he was one of the best deep ball threats, and so was Dobbs. By the way, in Nevada, people forgot. Like when I when when I saw that we drafted both those guys and Watson, 
I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I did not expect them in my wildest dreams to be doing as well as they've done. And that's, I guess, you know, I don't know if that's a testament to what's their wide receivers coach guy. What's his name? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, whatever his name is. Anyways, I don't know if it's a testament to him or whether or not Rogers is just on a vibe with these guys, but they're catching everything. I mean, they're. It's impressive. Man. They're catching everything. Torrey, I mean, he's got the speed. Granted, a lot of those catches were against like Thomas and Nixon and those kinds of guys. But the the way that he caught the balls, that fade where he had to turn around over his shoulder, adjust, go find the ball, catch it at the last minute. He's, he seems like he's really good at plucking balls out of the air at the last minute. Like Devontae, you know, that was his thing. Not giving a tell to the cornerback kind of thing. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do with the wide receiver. Just let's, let's skip past that and we'll just say that. Um, I just know we're keeping seven. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you nailed it with Samori Torre. It's body control, and it's something that Greg Cosell and Michael Lombardi both say are one of, one of, if not the most important attributes or skills, whatever, whatever you want, however you want to describe it, that a football player can have is body control. And Samori Torre has showed that, and he's got a clean beard, dude. That beard, he and Amari <laughs> Rogers almost look like twins to me. When I see them both, I'm like, look like a couple guys you want to take into a bar fight with you. I mean, he he was in the locker room and he had some traps on him. He had some shoulders. I was like, holy cow, this dude's built. Like he, you know, you look at some of the rookie wide receivers and you're like, uh, the 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 stick figure up there in Detroit, James was it Jameson Williams? Whatever. Yeah. He looks yeah. so tiny. And then you look at somebody like Samori Torre, and it's like that dude could take a hit. He looks like a Randall Cobb type build, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, but yeah, I love it, dude. So you went Winfrey, and uh, what's funny is. Uh, not funny, but it's interesting. I believe Ryan said the other night, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the vibe I got was he would take Winfrey over Samori Torre and stash Samori Torre on the practice squad because he didn't think anybody I, would yeah, sign him. See, you know, being a I'm sorry. Kid. I think that people, if they're paying attention, teams like Dallas that just lost like half their wide receiver room, if they're not watching other people's practice squads, then Jerry Jones and McCarthy are an idiot. You know what I mean? So I yeah. personally – I fear Torrey getting snagged by somebody. You know, there's a lot of that, like even like Arizona with all their wide receiver stuff going on. You know, there's a lot of teams that aren't as deep that maybe we, uh, Denver leaves in Patrick, you know, just different. There's a lot of people that need wide receivers. And if he looks like a promising guy, which I really do think he does, I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Absolutely. Let's move on to tight end. So tight end, we talked about Bob Tunyon. Um, he's on the pup. He would be at the top of the list for me, but being on the pup, he's not going to count on this uh, projection. The the Packers carried four tight ends last year. I've got it being Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara, uh, Daphne, and then I've got Davis. Okay, those are my mm-hmm. four tight ends. And and that's one of the things that Ryan talked about is how, you know, Lewis is not the the style of tight end uh, that Tunyon is. You know, you had Coach Hahn in our chat, which is a great conversation, talking about the Camaro look and the different packages yeah. and things and how they use tight ends. Um, you've got to have somebody who's going to play that Tunyon row. It's not going to be Mercedes Lewis. Not that he can't fill in there, but it's not ideal by no stretch of the imagination. Um, Josiah DeGuara really doesn't fill that need you know he's not as much a receiver he's more of an h-back and then of course you've got daphne who's kind of a a well-rounded tidy and he kind of you know a good line blocker that type of thing um so yeah that's who i would have is lewis deguara daphne and davis as my four how do you see it no that's exactly the same i don't need to spend too much time on this one i think like you said they love davis a lot he plays that robert tanyan role but i i'm excited man if tanyan's healthy and ready to go i think this with Devontae out with all the targets that you know, are up for grabs, he could have a breakout year, in my opinion. 
Yeah, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some tough cuts too, man. That cut week is gonna yeah. be wow. Like, what do you? I, in my I, opinion, you have to get rid of Daphne, right? Or I'm sorry, Davis, because I just I love Daphne. He's such an under. He's he's one of those just back of the house kind of guys. He he doesn't ever get credit, but he's just good all the time. He just seems like he's always doing his job. Yeah, and he's got experience with the Packers mm-hmm. system and, and playing in real time moments, and and it looks like Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of trust in him and, and why would he not you know having haven't played with the bass so yeah i'm with you on that my cut would be davis if tonyan is is ready to roll but again there's a lot of football left this is early but i, I think it's really really cool that we're doing it before the first week of preseason because now everybody as you listen to this podcast you're going to know what to look for in the preseason games guys because don't listen to the media don't listen to the 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 packer podcasters who have you know all these tens of thousands of followers who just say preseason's boring let's let's get drunk on a live stream and make a fool out of ourselves there's going to be a lot of things to watch for in the preseason if you're really knowing what if you're if you're paying attention to what you know what area to look so tight end will be a fun one there let's move on to offensive line the packers carry 9.2 last year so Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins would be shoe-ins on the roster. They're both on pups, so let's exclude them. The way I have it is at left tackle, Zach Tom. At left guard, John Runyon. At center, Josh Myers. At right guard, um, Royce Newman. And at right tackle, Yash Najman. Now, Yash Najman and Zach Tom, obviously, that's a, that's kind of a crapshoot as far as who's going to play left tackle and right tackle. It may make more sense for Tom to play right tackle. And uh, Yash, who's successfully pr- protected Rodgers' blind side, filling in for Bakhtiari the last eight years that he's missed here, what feels like anyway. Um, so with that being said, here are the nine linemen I'm going to take. I just wanted to run across the starters there. I've got John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, um, Hanson, Cole Van Lannon, Yash Najman, and Walker, Rashid Walker for that rookie. I, I can't think of anybody else as far as Moore or Schneider or Clary or Jones that I would take over Walker if indeed those two guys are on the pup, those two guys being Bakhtiari and Jenkins. How do you see the offensive line? Yeah, I got the same. Myers, Newman, John Runyon Jr., Yash, Jake Hanson, Zach Tom, Cole Van Lannon, Sean Ryan, and then I've got – a little bit of an asterisk where I've got Walker or a TBD Goody signing at veteran free agent, something like that. I'm looking at guys that maybe get cut, maybe guys that are, you know, testing the waters between retirement, you know, kind of like a Dennis Kelly type or whatever it was that we signed that can fill in. Um, yeah. I don't think they trust Walker enough yet. I think he's a little too raw, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to edge uh, edge defender last year. Um, they carried four and a half. They had it listed as outside linebackers. You know, I'm just calling it edge. Um, four and a half is what they carried. There was times that they carried five. There was times that they carried four. So right in the middle at 4.5. My, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the number at four. So at four, I have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Jonathan Garvin, and Enigbar. Okay, Enigbar, Enigbar, Enigbarre, Enigbarre. Roll the R. However you want to say his name, I don't care. All right. So <laughs> that's the four that I have. Now, the one that's kind of turned heads a little bit to me is Tippa, right? Um, he kind of uh, – is it Tippa Nolly? Is that how you say it, Jacob? I don't know. Somehow okay. there's an it's N Tippa. in there, but there's no N. I don't know. <laughs> you know, originally I seen some depth charts had Randy Ramsey up there. And yeah. as much as that sounds like Randy Savage and a wrestler name, I love the name, but at the same time I've seen him drop a lot. And I think that Garvin – I think they've got a little bit of trust in Garvin. So those would be my four, Gary Smith, Garvin, and Enek Barr. How do you see it, man? 
dude, I'm going to mix things up. I'm a little weird. I got five D linemen, six outside linebackers, and four inside linebackers. So for my well, outside I like linebackers, I, like I got Preston Smith, Gary, Tipa, Ladarius Hamilton. I'm keeping Garvin, and I'm keeping Kingsley. Hey, Hamilton's turned some heads, right? Am I thinking yeah. right? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's quietly, quietly doing that. Yep. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. Let's go on to linebacker. Um, last year, they carried 5.1 middle linebackers all year long. I'm going to go with Campbell, Walker, Barnes, McDuffie, and Summers as my five. Obviously, Wilborn and Brooks. If they carry five, I don't, I can't see a situation where Wilborn or Brooks would make that roster. Um, but at the same time, like I was telling Ryan the other night, you know how you were talking about keeping seven wide receivers, Jacob, on, on the active roster. Um, if they do that, and I could see that with some of the talent there or even at other positions, if they do that, I could see them cutting Summers and just carrying four inside linebackers. And one of the reasons being, if you do it that way too, forget the seventh wide receiver, pretend you've got six, you've got Tariq Carpenter who's kind of that hybrid feel. Mm -hmm. Maybe they keep him on the active roster in replace of one of those middle linebackers, not necessarily to play middle linebacker, but in a pinch, if all, you know, if they had a ton of injuries, he could step in and kind of fill that void without any horrible disaster, you know? So how do you see the, the linebacker core? I got four Campbell Quay, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie. That means Ty Summers, my man, I'm sorry. You're getting cut. Hey, I don't want pour to one out for him. Pour one out for him. Right? <laughs> pour one out for him. Yeah. It's just, um, it just, yeah, it, it's just the way it is. I mean, you, obviously, you're not going to get rid of our stars. I think Barnes has earned enough to, to be that backup role. And McDuffie, I think, is still promising. I think Summers has shown what he has. And like I said, he's a, a decent special teams guy. But I think that there's other guys that can fill that role. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good stuff, man. Let's go on now to uh, cornerback. And I'm really excited about this crew here. First of all, let me let me back up the linebacker. Every time that I we go went to, over, we didn't go over D lineman. You skipped over the D lineman. Yeah, yeah, they come at the end. I, I've got them. Okay, on the all right, line. all right. I apologize. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just how I set my board up. But um, so corner. Well, first of all, back to linebacker. Every time I look at that depth chart and I look at this board and I see Quay Walker, I just see a man bear. I see, I see. I, I'm literally, it's a rookie, and I'm going. I grin ear to ear. I'm like this dude is a monster, and the NFL has no clue what's about to happen. I think he's legit. I've seen enough now, and, and Ryan and I broke down some tape the other night on the live stream, and it was a blast, dude. He is um, – I, I think he's ready, dude. I think he's – I think something – I don't know, man. He just feels like he's a linebacker. What's that? I said, have you listened to him interview? He's like the Terminator. Like, nothing phases this dude. And they try to tell him, like, oh, you're the best at this and this. He goes, no, I'm not. I need to get better. <laughs> like, he's just a <laughs> robot. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited for him, man. But all right, let's let's uh, let's move on to corner here. We've got uh, Jair Alexander, which, guys, he's having a phenomenal camp. And he looks like he is 110% healthy. He looks kind of thick this year. And I'm digging it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. He looks like he's got a little more muscle. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Jair play. But we got Jair, we got Stokes, we got Rasul Douglas, not necessarily in that order. Um, you know, I could see them interchange at times because Rasul Douglas is turning heads too. You know, Aaron Rodgers saying that he's one of the smartest players he's played with is, is really, really impressive. Um, Alexander Stokes, Douglas, I've got John Charles, Gene Charles, however you want to say it. And then I've got Rico Gafford winning mm -hmm. that fifth corner spot. The Packers now, however, last year, guys, they carried 59 
corners. Okay, so that's really, really close to six, obviously. They may go with six. If they go with six, then obviously Keyshawn Nixon uh, is has been battling injury. I would kind of yep. consider him a pup if he's not still on the pup. And then uh, I would probably go KV and Into as my six. But my five, again, Alexander Stokes, Douglas, John Charles, and Rico Gafford because of his special teams ability. Yep, I got the same five. Uh, Nixon, if he's healthy, maybe. Um, if Nixon is healthy, I am struggling to figure out whether or not I keep six quarterbacks or five safeties or five cornerbacks and four safeties, if that makes sense, or somewhere along those lines. I'm trying to figure out which one of those guys I can drop it. I, I think you're right. I think Gafford takes that fifth spot, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I believe so he's a, isn't he the converted wide receiver? Real, real quick, the Rico Gafford. He is, yeah. That's cool to see that work out. Think about that too. It sounds silly, but if you got in a pinch and you had three receivers go down in one game, um, you know that's pretty that's, cool. It's something yeah. that Bill Belichick did so well there in the early 2000s. He always had people that could play both sides of the ball in a pinch, and that allows him to manipulate the roster a little bit more. He was always thinking outside of the box. So anytime I see a player that's got that kind of versatility, not only does it tell me, okay, that's a little bit more value attached to that player as far as the in in game with, with the uh, with the roster, but it also tells me they've got to have a certain level of intelligence to be able to pick up on both sides of the ball and do that. Because let's be honest, most of the time a corner has the the physical traits to be a wide receiver. But it's typically yeah, yeah. two things that keep them from doing it. It's their hands and their intelligence. It's just yeah. that simple, especially with a league where RPOs have come into effect. And, of course, if you're in a system like New England where they have a lot of uh, a lot of wide receiver options, you know, a lot of people don't understand how the New England offense operates. It's impressive. I mean, it's literally everybody in the offense. That's why uh, Julian Edelman said, man, this is like trying to learn Chinese. You know, it's, yeah. it's a whole different thing because when they come out, when the ball is snapped, they're reacting to what the DBs are doing. That determines, am I running the post? Am I running the hitch? Am I running the dig? All that stuff is option routes. And it might not be all, you know, three, four, five route uh, routes in the in the entire play, but it has a huge, huge effect on that. So when you've got players that, that understand both sides of the ball, I mean, I, don't, I think a lot of people, they sleep on that. They take it too lightly. So let's move right. on to safety. So last year, the Packers carried 4.3 safeties. And this year what I've got is at free safety, I've got Darnell Savage and Vernon Scott. Then at strong safety, I've got Adrian Amos, and I've got Davis making the roster over Carpenter as of right now. Now, if they end up carrying five, Carpenter's definitely my guy. Again, what I said earlier, you could cut out uh, Summers where he doesn't make the roster and you carry Carpenter instead because I, I'm a firm believer they're going to only carry six receivers that are active, that are not on the pup, not on the injured reserve, that type of thing. So – how do you see safety, man? Is there anything I'm, I'm missing there? I know uh, Levitt or Levitt, however you say his name, and Gaines yep. have, have made a little bit of a push, but how do you see it? Yep, so like I said, I want five quarterbacks. I'm keeping five safeties. I'm going to go Amos, Savage, Sean Davis, Vernon Scott, and I'm keeping Dale and Levitt. And I just I, – I really want to keep Carpenter. I really want to keep in his game. So either one of those guys would not surprise me if they beat out Dale and Dahl and Levitt. The only reason I'm giving him the the go ahead the nod is because I believe that Pisaccia really liked the guy. I think that he's going to be a special teams ace, and I think that they, if they're losing guys like Summers, and they got to replace him with somebody like Leavitt or something like that. So that's my theory. It's a little bit of a wild uh, prediction on my part, just to some of the numbers, like the seven wide receivers, the all that kind of stuff. So I'm going out on a limb, but I don't care. Hey, I love it, man. <clears throat> Let's do this. Let's get to the big boys. We saved the best for last. We're at the 52-minute mark. We got about three minutes, Jacob. 
Boom. Defensive line, I've got – they carried six last year. I've got Clark, Lowry, Reed, Wyatt, Slayton, Heflin. Those are my six. I've got Jonathan Ford just on the outside, okay? Um, so, again, that's Clark, Lowry, Reed, Wyatt, Slayton, and Heflin. And uh, if you decide to carry seven, Ford's jumping on that roster too. How do you see the defensive line room? You know, Matt, yeah. we actually have about six minutes. You're good. Go ahead. Okay. In order for me to make my uh, weird little – formula work i can only keep five so i'm doing clark lowry slayton drawn and Devonta wyatt i really like to keep forward so my, my in my wildest dreams i'm I'm putting forward on the put or on the pup on the uh, practice squad i'm putting carpenter on the practice squad um i want to keep uh danny davis on the practice squad you know what i mean like i want to try to keep as many of these little aces that we think maybe just need another year but yeah I, i'm really looking forward to this year's defense man i mean I, there's i don't all- remember it a year that I can really look at everything on paper and be like, dude, we're going we're, we're gonna to kill this. Like, it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm excited too, man. I really am. Um, let's go to specials real quick. Kicker, punter, and long snapper. Kicker, obviously, Crosby had that knee scoped. Um, I think he's going to be ready for week one. It doesn't uh, remove the fact that I'm nervous as you know what about it. <laughs> but uh, obviously, Burkick has, has been kind of filling in that role. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't bring in another kicker, to be honest with Dude, you. I'm really uh, to the best of my knowledge, they haven't. They haven't, right, Jacob? Not that I'm aware of. And I'm, I'm okay. I'm yeah, surprised that, that surprised that. me because there's probably a lot of talent sitting out there that you could, you know, bring in another leg, right? But mm-hmm. they got they got Burke and, and only Burke. But I think Mason Crosby again. He's on the pup, so we got to say Burke. If uh, if Crosby wasn't ready for Week One, obviously Pat O'Donnell. Um, I think it's going to make a huge, huge difference in the kicking game, um, just him holding. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was listening to a McAfee show the other day, and he was talking about how Vinny Testaverde, I think it was their old coach, I can't remember his name, um, was on there. And Vinny – or not Vinny Testaverde, I'm sorry, uh, Adam Vinatieri. Golly, I went way back. Adam Vinatieri. Testaverde. <laughs> can't talk about that. <laughs> Adam Vinatieri, um, when they brought in a rookie punter, how Adam Vinatieri ate their lunch. He cussed out the coaching staff. It's like, you expect me to go out here – and kick with the game on the line, and I've got a rookie holder, it's a big deal. Now, rewind four or five years, what did the Packers do? And look at the point that the specials got to. It was a mistake. So now you bring in Pat O'Donnell, which was hands down, that was Rich Passaccia's first move, was we got to get another punter in here, and we got to get someone in who's going to do uh, a darn near perfect job at holding. That's why they went and got Pat O'Donnell. Of course, he's got some – some history of punting in cold weather, which I think Ryan did a good job of just talking about that it wasn't that big of a factor. It didn't look like he, you know, performed overly well. But again, the holding aspect is going to make a big difference. And I've got Wordle as our long snapper. I feel like they would have cut him already um, if uh, if he wasn't going to make the roster. I hope Coco makes it because Wordle was here last year and it was a train wreck. But it's just like, why are they keeping him around? You know what I mean? That that makes me think they might have him. So. Judging by your reaction, I'm assuming you're going Coco. Is that right? Yeah, man. Crosby, O'Donnell, and Coco. Just because I knew it sounds Coco like a cereal, man. That's right. Coco. <laughs> I mean, real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Um, I am freaking out about Crosby. I thought about this last night. So we're, we we hire Pasaccia. We get all these guys. We we pull in ringers that are supposed to be great special teamers. We're getting maybe a new long slap. We got a new punter. We get new gunners. But what if our kicker can't kick? Like that's your whole special teams, bro. Like, that's it. Like, and it just kind of made me, it took my, like that pit in your stomach, bro. It was very unsettling when I was like that, you know, last year, arguably we lost 
the way we did because of special teams. And you can obviously say other reasons, but special teams throughout the year was obviously the highlighting 800 pound gorilla in the room. And the fact that we're going into this next season and the biggest part, that's the quarterback of our special teams. Right. And he's day to day, or maybe not even like I, and granted he's been in the league for 45 years. So he knows what he's doing, but like you said, you can't be confident at this point. You have to be at least a little hesitant. Yeah. It's uh, it's got me worried. I'm not going to lie, but at the same yeah. time, they don't seem like they're freaking out. They're I feel like if other kickers, big, so they must. I yeah. That's it. Yeah. If it was a big deal, they would have went out and signed up. You know, you would, you would have seen they brung, you would at least have heard, Hey, two, three kickers come in for tryouts, but you've yes. not even heard of that. So um, it must not be a big deal. And we're just going to trust the, trust the process. Jacob, dude, as always, man, you absolutely crushed it. I, th- I think we did a good job running through that 53. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that. I've been getting feedback from listeners, and they want more football talk, right? They want more uh, roster talk and, and things like that. I want to hear about the players. I've heard people say that. So that's what we're trying to bring you guys. We're always going to keep our ear to the street and listen to what you want, okay? you. I always say, guys, please, I understand we've got female listeners too, and we appreciate you more than these knucklehead guys. I promise you that, all right? But um, it's we, we want to we bring the listeners what they want, and that's kind of the feedback I've been getting. Jacob and I, I know we, we love calling into Packernet after dark, and <laughs> we always steer it back to football, unless, of course, somebody's ranting about a tip. I don't know who that would have been. But um, <laughs> great conversation, by the way. But, dude, as always, thank you so much for your time. And you got anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Any, anything at all you need to uh, to mention? I mean, I just I'd plug that Packers after our call in, guys. It's awesome. Do the pristine auction. It's literally as easy as signing. It takes, I'm not kidding, three minutes. It's completely free and you get a chance to win a Quay Walker jersey that's signed. Like, why would you not do that? Again, call into the Packernet After Dark show. Stay tuned. We're still knocking around the, uh, the the fantasy football podcast. I got two guys, like I said, we're hammering out the details. We're getting everything squared away. We're going to try to force you guys at gunpoint to join our – we're at least going to do a best ball league because then all you have to do, we get all the guys together, everybody from Packernet, we do a virtual draft, and then it's a best ball league. You don't have to set lineups. You don't have to worry about waiver wire. You don't have to do anything. So it'll give us a chance yeah. to make fun of each other for a while. I'm in on that. Because I, All you know, right. as far as watching the rosters, you know, I'm so focused on, you know, the real aspect of football and what are the yeah, Packers. It's a lot of work. I want to yeah, know what Mark Murphy ate for breakfast this morning. I don't want to have to set a roster. A lot of fantasy yeah, football. Cocoa I'm just cereal. Yeah. I, yeah. There you go. That, I, I, <laughs> dude, you, Steve, you got me questioning this cocoa thing now. So, anyway, guys, thank you so much for, for tuning in. We really appreciate your time. Um, it's always a blast talking football with you. Do us a favor, man. Hit us up on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Shoot me an email. We've gotten several emails, but it's just feedback on the show, and I'm responding to those. No reason to read them out over uh, over the air. I don't want to come across like, hey, look at look how great the you know the listeners think the show is. You know, if you got a, a topic or a comment or a question about something we've covered, I'll definitely read it over the air. But again, thank you all for listening. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go pack go. Third down inches to go. Defender. 17 to 14.